such a privilege to be here with you guys and so grateful for uh, the invitation to come and share a few thoughts with you this morning. As I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I've got a, uh, a little boy and his name is, is Tobiah and he's, he's uh, uh, crazy, I think is probably the appropriate way to say it. He started doing this thing uh, recently, uh, which I'm quite enjoying secretly, which is that in, in, my, in my home, we, we have a kitchen whereby we've got these French doors that open uh, directly onto this kind of small patio area. And so he started doing this thing recently where, where we're standing in, in the kitchen and, and he'll just pop outside, you know, by himself for, for like a, a, a minute or two. And then he'll come back in through the French doors. We'll be in the kitchen and he's got that look on his face. If any of you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know he's been up to something. He's got this like cheeky grin, you know. There's, some, there's been something going on. And he just comes in and he looks at, at me and my wife, Jen, and he just goes, it's a mystery. And so I say to him, oh, that's interesting, Tobias. That sounds very interesting. Uh, wh- wh- what is this mystery? And he goes, somebody weed on the patio. <laughs> I said, wow, who could it have been, Tobias? And he just goes, I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. We know, we know who did it. It's not a mystery. But I guess that it would be fair to say that there are many things uh, that when it comes to God and particularly to the nature of God, that don't they? They remain to us a mystery. And of, of course, in many ways, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because an, a, you know, a finite mind is an inadequate mechanism with which to grapple with the infinite God. And so, of course, he is a mystery. And one of those mysteries, it, it appears to me and seems to me, has to do with the mystery of God's intervention in our lives. By which, by which I mean this. That, that when we give our lives to Jesus, we know and, and we believe in faith that Christ dwells in our hearts. That's what the Bible tells us. But there are times that we have all experienced where it seems that God intervenes and other times where he does not. There are times when he reveals himself to us and other times where it feels more like he seems to hide himself from us. There are times when he heals and times when he does not. There are times when he speaks and other times where he remains silent and it's a mystery. And my goal in this message is not so much to unravel that mystery, though we will do some of that as well, but rather to give you a category in which to place your experience of the intervention of God or seeming lack thereof and for you to know that you are not the first one and you are by no means the only one to have found yourself living in the tension of this mystery. Because I don't know about you, but, but I kind of feel like if I could just know that there was someone in the New Testament If I could just know that there was somebody who Jesus loved that experienced what what I experienced, then that would kind of make it better. If I could just know that there was some kind of biblical framework for my circumstances to, to make sense in, then that would enable me to come to terms with it. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go on a little journey together with the Apostle Paul. Paul, as many of you in the room will know, was previously called Saul, and Saul hated Christians. He hated Christians. 
In fact, uh, Saul hated Christians so much that he had given his whole life over to hunting them down and either imprisoning them or executing them. This is the the Saul who stood by and, and watched in approval as Stephen was stoned to death for confessing that Jesus was Lord. And he had made it his sole purpose in life to attempt to stamp out Christianity before it would ever be called Christianity. And as we join the story in our Bibles together in a moment, we will find that Saul's mission is gaining traction. Until that is, the resurrected Jesus suddenly showed up and intervened in his life. And so, if you do have a Bible with you, or a Bible app, uh, then I'd love it if you could open that up to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and as you do that, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you that we live in a, in a place where we can own one without fear of imprisonment, where we can open it freely and talk about it together. But most of all, God, we thank you that these words are not the words of some archaic history book, but they are the words of the living and God, living God, sharper than a double-edged sword. We ask that you'd illuminate them to us and, and speak to us through them this morning. Amen. Amen. So Saul's mission is gaining traction, and then this happens in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, the way is what they used to call Christianity before it was called Christianity. If he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared the Damascus on his journey, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So here's what's happened so far. Saul's on a mission to wipe out Christians, the followers of the way. And Jesus suddenly appears to Saul, blinds him, and then sends him off to meet another follower of the way called Ananias. And this is where we join the story again in verse 17. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, to, he said Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, everyone say immediately. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up 
and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Jesus suddenly appears to Saul and his life is utterly transformed. And then Ananias prays for Saul and he is immediately healed. How many of us know that Jesus is still the God of the suddenly? That he is still the God of the immediately? How many of us know that he is still in the business of intervening in our lives and bringing about a suddenly transformation, a suddenly provision, a suddenly healing today? A few years ago, I was privileged enough to to travel uh, uh, for 10 days to India on a bit of a missions trip with a a team from my dad's home church down in Exeter. And we were there with some uh, opticians. And the idea was that we were visiting these very poor communities. And these opticians were offering free eye tests uh, and giving out free prescription lenses to those who would you know, have, have no way of affording them otherwise. Well, of course, myself and, and my wife and others on the team, we're not trained opticians. So while this was all going on, we were just, you know, around the community, meeting people and, and, and offering to pray for people. Now, my wife, Jen, who has uh, very pale skin and long blonde hair, this will become important in the story in a few moments. Uh, and, and my friend Florin, who was also on the team from Germany, and Jesse, who was our translator, were in one of these communities and praying for someone when, when this very small, uh, frail old lady literally walked straight in, into my wife, Jen. And they turned to her and they would discover that the reason she had walked straight into them is because she was totally and completely blind. And she had been so for 15 years totally she wasn't born blind but she had been totally blind for 15 years and so Florin and and, and Jesse and my wife Jen offered offered to to pray for this lady and they were bold enough and courageous enough to pray that her sight would be restored and so they began to ask Jesus to to heal her and it wasn't long before this small old lady began to reach up and stroke my wife's face and touch her hair why because she had been totally blind for 15 years and she had never seen a blonde white woman before. And in that moment, suddenly, Jesus had opened her eyes right there and then. And it was amazing. And, 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 even, and even Jen and Florin and Jesse couldn't really believe it. And so, and so the translator started to say, well, well what color is my shirt? It, it's maroon. How many fingers am I holding up? Five. How many fingers am I holding up? Three. And you could see the people around her who knew this lady and who were amazed at what Jesus had done in her life. And it's, it's not very high quality, but I do have a picture of her just here. Here she is. That's Florin, my friend. And that's the lady whose sight was restored. My friends, I came here today because I wanted you to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He has not lost his power and he is still in the business of intervening in our lives with a suddenly moment, with a suddenly moment. That's, that's a story from a few years ago. Let me share with you a story from a few months ago. This is Vicky. Uh, she's part of the youth group that we started down in Malvern. And like you do here, we were running a, a youth alpha course uh, and an alpha course is, is a kind of thing that if you're just exploring faith and you want to know a little bit more, that's a great thing for you to go on and ask some of those big questions. We were running a youth alpha course. And um, as some of you will know, at the end of that course, you're encouraged to take some time out, not just to talk about God, but to actually create some space to encounter God himself. 
Now, the night before we were going to kind of have this time with, with some of our young people who'd been doing this Youth Alpha course with us, um, I saw a, a picture in my mind's eye of Vicky, and I saw in my mind that she had one leg longer than the other, and I saw that leg growing. Sometimes when Jesus speaks to us, he gives us pictures in our mind, or almost like movies in, in our mind's eye, and that's sometimes the way that God will speak to us. And, and as, as I saw that in my mind, I thought, oh, I think, I think I know what this is. I, I, I've seen this before. Because you see, I'd seen it before when somebody had a bad back and uh, they twisted their back and they had one leg longer than the other one and somebody had prayed and it, as their back had kind of straightened out, it appeared as though their leg had grown. And so it comes to this encounter tonight and, and we're all kind of worshipping together like we've just done a few moments ago and someone shares a little message and it's getting towards the end of the night and I'm trying to pluck up the courage to go and speak to Vicky. Eventually I manage to pluck up the courage and I, and I go over to her and I, and I say to her, Vicky, she's not a Christian. Uh, and I say to her, Vicky, this is going to sound really strange, but um, do you have a bad back? She goes, No. I'm thinking, how am I going to recover from this now? This is really embarrassing. And so, so I, I, all I thought I could do is I'm just going to have to explain. And I said to her, Vicky, this, I've obviously got that wrong. You know, sometimes when God speaks to us, he gives us these pictures. And I thought that I saw that you had one leg longer than the other one. So I thought you might have a bad back. She goes, oh, I do have one leg longer than the other one. I'm like, interesting. She goes, yeah, I've, I've got a twisted pelvis and I've had it for years and years. I said, that's really interesting. Would you mind if we prayed for you? So we gathered a few people around and we, we sat around the chair just like the ones that you're sat on now. And we held up her legs. And sure enough, one of her legs was uh, about three centimeters longer than the other one. So I asked everybody to keep their eyes open. And we began to pray that Jesus would heal her pelvis. And you should have seen the look on Vicky's face. Vicky, who's not a Christian, she goes like this. Oh. I said, what, Vicky? She goes, it's really weird. I said, what? She goes, I can feel it moving. And we watched as Jesus intervened in Vicky's life. G uh, Vicky, who's, who's not a Christian, and, and healed her pelvis in that moment. And we watched as her leg grew before our eyes. And do you know what? The following Tuesday at our youth group, Vicky, who's not a Christian, was on the microphone telling all of her other friends who, who are not Christians about who, how Jesus has healed her that day. Come on. My friends, did we forget that Jesus is still the God of the suddenly? That he's still the God of the immediately? Did we stop believing that he's willing and able to intervene in our lives with a, with a suddenly moment? How do we know? How do we know if we stopped believing for the suddenly moments in our lives? How do we know if we stop believing for the suddenly moments in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges? in our families, even in our churches. Well, you know you stop believing for it when you stop praying for it. <laughs> Perhaps even more so, though, you know you stop believing for it when you stop taking a risk on it. And you know what? If that's happened to you, I, I totally get it. I, I really don't blame you. There was a, a time a, a number of months ago when I was in my hometown of, of Malvern and I was in the high street. And by high street, I mean 
one road with like charity shops and tea rooms. <laughs> so if you love secondhand like knitted jumpers and like tea and scones, you should come to Malvern because you will love it. And so I was in the high street of, of Malvern and quite unusually for Malvern actually there was a, there was a, a homeless guy um, sitting outside of Cafe Nero and just felt a little bit prompted by the Holy Spirit. And so I started talking to him and, and, he, and he asked me, have you got any change? And I said, well, uh, no, I don't. But if you like, I'll happily take you into to the cafe and get you some lunch. And so we went into to Cafe Nero together and, 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 and we stood in the queue and, and uh, we got to the end and, he, and I said, okay, well, what do you want? And he said, well, I'll have that and that and that and that and that and that. And, that. and I'm like, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And so I, you know, remortgaged my house and I bought him lunch and then uh, and then during the conversation, I couldn't help but notice that he had this, like, it was extremely raspy breathing, like really severe, really bad. I was asked him about it. He said it was to do with asbestos or something. Really significant, really obvious, really bad. And so, you know, I just thought, okay, I've got to go for this, haven't I? And so I said to him, hey, listen, this, this is going to sound a little bit strange, but uh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is actually able to heal what you've got going on there. Would you mind if, if I prayed for you? So he looked at me like I was a little bit strange. And he said, uh, all right, sure, fair, fair enough. Uh, and I prayed for him and I asked that Jesus would heal him. When I finished um, praying for him, I said, okay, would you, would you take a deep breath? And he went, <laughs> exactly the same. And therein lies the mystery. <laughs> And you know what, church, I've got to be honest with you, my faith took a bit of a hit that day. And I said to God, you know, hey, hey God, what's the deal? <laughs> I, I took a risk on you and you, you didn't come through. And I, I don't know if I want to try it again. In fact, I don't know if I've got the faith to try it again. I don't know if I can even believe for it again. But do you know something, church, I've had to resolve in my heart that I'd rather believe for the suddenly and not see it sometimes than stop believing for the suddenly and miss it every time. And so I wanted to encourage you today, Life Central, to believe for those suddenly moments again. If you took a step of faith like I did that day and it didn't work out, then take a step of faith in the direction of the suddenly again. If you prayed for the suddenly and it didn't happen for you last time, don't give up. Pray for the suddenly again. Because God's power is still, even now, at work in the suddenly. Here, now, Jesus, you change everything. But it's not quite that simple, is it? <laughs> and that's not always the way it works, is it? And you know, when we think of the, these great biblical heroes that we're talking about today, like Paul, it's easy for us to, to look at their lives and think, you know, for them, it was, it was a suddenly moment after suddenly moment after suddenly moment. And we, th we think of Paul, we think, you know, it's all right for you, Paul, <laughs> with all of your suddenly moments. When we think of Paul, we think, we think don't we, of, of that moment when Jesus suddenly appeared to him on the Damascus Road. We think of the lame man who suddenly walked in Lystra. We think of uh, the chains that were suddenly broken from his wrists while he was imprisoned in Philippi. We think of Eutychus who, who through Paul was suddenly raised from the dead after he'd fallen out of a window. And we think it's alright for you Paul. With your suddenly moments. And yes, Paul did believe in the God of the suddenly. And yes, he did experience his fair share of suddenly moments, but it wasn't always that way for him either. Because there was another time. 
There was a time that we don't like to talk about so much, where Paul writes uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given... Well, what were you given, Paul? Another immediate intervention? Another suddenly moment? No doubt, no, no. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Well, what, what is this thorn of, of, of which he writes? We, we don't really know. Some have theorized that it was epilepsy. Others think it was severe headaches or migraines. Some think that, that because of the areas in which Paul traveled, it could have been a case of recurring malaria. We do know that Paul had some eye trouble, so it could have been a debilitating eye disease. We don't really know. But what we do know is that like a thorn... It was both painful and debilitating. I came across this as I was preparing for this message in, in, one, uh, in one study where it said this about the thorn. That the original word for thorn suggests a very much heavier sorrow than the metaphor of a thorn might imply. It really seems to me not a tiny bit of a thorn that might lie half concealed under your fingertip. But one of those hideous stakes on which the cruel punishment of impalement used to be inflicted. And Paul's thought is not that he has a little trivial trouble to bear, but that he is, as it were, forced quivering upon that tremendous torture. Guys, this is, this is Paul. This, this is Paul who was called by God to spread the gospel throughout the entire Gentile world. This is Paul who was inspired by God to write a massive chunk of the New Testament as we have it today. And after he becomes a Christian, he is given a thorn. Now, perhaps we could understand it a little bit if it was before he was a Christian, you know, when he was killing the Christians. But now, when he's become one. And it says in the text that it was sent to torment him, which in the original language, it literally means to strike with a fist. As if he was being pummeled again and again by this constant, irritating thorn. But the comforting news is that the great Apostle Paul does exactly what you and I would do faced with those same circumstances. The scripture says that three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now understand here that when he says three times, he, he doesn't mean, you know, like I prayed in my quiet time before work on Monday and, and nothing happened. So I prayed again on Tuesday and then again on Wednesday and well, nothing happened for me. So, so I gave up. No, it means that there were three seasons of his life where that pain became so intense and debilitating that he cried out to God to remove it from him. And the first two times God said and did nothing. There was no healing, there was no suddenly, just silence. My friends, have you ever felt like Paul? God, I, I really need a suddenly moment right now. God, God, please, I just need to know that you're listening, that you hear me. God, God, this really hurts when you intervene in my circumstances. And the first time he prayed, silence. And the second time he prayed, 
silence. And the third time he prayed, God finally speaks. And he says something now, church, which is so profound, so powerful, that it gives you and I a category in which to make sense of the seeming silence of God in our own lives. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Check this out. My power is made perfect in the suddenly moments. Oh, no way. It wasn't that, was it? Paul, my power was made perfect when you saw face to face the resurrected Jesus himself on the Damascus road. That's when my power was made perfect. No, no, it wasn't that. My, my power was made perfect, Paul, when the lame man walked, when Eutychus was raised from the dead, when your handkerchiefs brought about suddenly moments for people you'd never even met. No, it wasn't any of those in which God's power was made perfect. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. In weakness. And so church, I came here today because I wanted you to know that God's power is equally at work in your life, in the silence as it is in the suddenly. The suddenly moments are the ones that we love, aren't they? The suddenly moments are the ones that we testify about in church and in our home groups. The suddenly moments are the ones that we pray for, but God's power is equally at work in your life in the silence as it is in the suddenly. Because you see, God's silence is how it seems, it's not how it is. Because though you cannot feel it or perceive it in those moments, God's power is being made perfect in you in weakness. In the original language, this phrase literally reads, my power reaches its full measure and is perfected in weakness. And so friends, I wanted you to know that the presence of adversity does not equate to the absence of God because God's power reaches its full measure and is perfected in weakness. I wanted you to know that your unanswered prayer does not mean that God is uninterested because God's power reaches its full measure and is perfected in weakness. I wanted you to know that God's silence is not evidence of God's absence because God's power reaches its full measure and is perfected in weakness. God says, Paul, you're praying for a suddenly moment. And this time, the answer is no. But it's a no with a promise that my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. And I just love this. Paul responds to God's no by saying that therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me, you see. That is why, for Christ's sake, this is countercultural. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, church, Paul knew and, and saw and, and still believed in the God whose power was at work in the suddenly moments. But he also knew that the suddenly moments are not the ones where God's power reaches its full measure. 
not in the suddenly, but in the silence. Because it was in the silence that Paul discovered there was a different kind of strength. One that's really worth having. And that to possess it, you have to be weak. It was in the silence that Paul learned embracing your inability is a prerequisite to experiencing Christ's ability. You see, isn't it true, church, that our, our tendency in those moments of silence is to, is to run from it, is to hide from it, is to try and explain it away? But you don't have to do any of those things. See, you can boast in the silence. You can glory in the silence because there is God's power. In the silence, God's power rests on you. And so, as I come into land, <laughs> church, what if we learn to see the silence of God and the know of God a little bit differently? What if we learn to see the silence as a gift, not an enemy? What if we, like Paul, learn to boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses? Why? So that Christ's power may rest on us. What if we understood that there is a category for us in which we can make sense of the seeming silence of God? What if we knew in our heads and in our hearts that God's power is equally at work in the suddenly and the silence? God is in the suddenly and the silence. So very simply, church, as I close, I came today because I wanted to encourage you to believe for the suddenly, to pray for the suddenly. If it's been a while, to take a risk on the suddenly, to step out for those suddenly moments again. But when you can't see God's hand or hear his voice, trust his heart. Because God's power is at work in the suddenly and the silence. So it's, I wonder if you'd pray with me as, as we close and as the the band comes back. And I just love it if, if in this moment we could, right across this room, just, just close our eyes. Because I'm conscious that when you, you bring a, a message like this one, it's not just theory. I'm conscious that even when we come to a clearer understanding around some of these things, it doesn't make necessarily those moments any easier. And um, do you know what I would just love to do is I'd love it if we could just pray for some people right now. And I maybe think there's a, a couple of different categories in which we need to find a response today. For some of you, you felt just the the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the challenge to take that step, to take that risk again. To say, God, maybe I've been living a kind of 50% Christianity which exists in my home and exists on a Sunday morning but hasn't yet impacted my interactions with my colleagues and, and my friends at school. And you, today, you're saying, I want to take it. I want to see some of those suddenly moments again. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to take a risk on some of those things. I want to pray for some people again. And you know that the Holy Spirit's prompting you, hey, 
It's been a while, hasn't it? Take a risk again. You want to make that response today. And there are going to be others of you in the room and you're in the midst of, of one of those silence moments where it seems like you don't know where God is. You've prayed and nothing's happened and you've sought him for intervention and it hasn't come your way. You can't seem to hear his voice. You don't know if he's with you and you know that's where you're at right now. And this morning you just need the encouragement of God to know, yes, my power is reaching its full measure and being perfected in you right now. So here's what I'm going to do. If, if your response is, is to the first bit of that message, uh, sorry, to the second bit rather, and, and you're experiencing the silence right now, we'd just love to pray for you where you are. So with, with every eye closed, would you, would you just stand up where you are if that's you? And it's a moment of silence for you right now. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks for your courage, guys. Really appreciate that. Thanks for your boldness. We'd just love to come around you as a church family. Yeah. And guys, if you are um, if you are somewhere near someone that's standing, would you just stand beside them? Or if you're part of a prayer team, would you just go and put a, put a hand on a shoulder? Hey guys, let's be church. Let's be family together. If you're around somebody, would you just put a hand on their shoulder? That'd be great. Come on, let's make sure everyone's encouraged. Don't, don't worry if you have to get up off your seat and move to someone. If you've stood and nobody's got a hand on your shoulder, would you raise a hand so we can make sure everyone's being prayed for? Okay, fantastic. Let's pray for these guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you when we believe in your and we trust you, Lord, that in the moment that each of these courageous individuals is experiencing right now, that God, though they can't see it or perceive it, your power is reaching its full measure in them that your power is being perfected in and through that weakness. And we pray today, Lord God, that, that by your Holy Spirit, they take courage. Yeah. And they would know today, they would have an, an assurance, an assurance, God, that you are with them. And that they would hear you say to them, even now in this moment, I've not forgotten you. I've not forgotten you. I see your circumstances. I see what you're going through. And I am with you there. And so I pray, Lord, for each of, these, each of these individuals, God, that they would be encouraged today by your Spirit, that you are with them and working in them, not in spite of, God, but because of the circumstances. May they be encouraged today. And, and, and for the first response, guys, I'm just going to ask if all of us would stand just before we sing a final song together. And what I'd like to do is, um, because this next one is a little bit about courage, isn't it? That you know God's making a challenge to you to take a step of faith again in the direction of those suddenly moments. You haven't done it for a while, but you're saying, yes, I know that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to me today. Well, just down here, we've got a banner. It says prayer space. And I wonder if I could ask maybe a couple of our prayer ministry team to, um, to head to that space. And I'm actually going to ask you to do something really bold and courageous. If you know that that's you, and God is challenging you to take a step in the direction of the suddenly moments, to take a risk on those again. And I'm going to ask you to take a risk right now, be really bold and courageous, and to head down to our prayer ministry team right there. Um, and you could do that now. Don't wait for me to finish speaking. You head down there if you know that's you. And they'll pray for you. And they'll, they, they will pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you with boldness and courage and power. That it's not just a Sunday morning thing, but it's a Monday morning thing for you. That you will take a risk. That you will take a step in that direction. So please, do that now. Don't wait for me. If that's you and you know the Spirit's challenging you, head right over there. 
grab someone say pray for me and they will pray that you will be filled with courage guys thanks so, so much for having me I love being here at Life Central thanks for listening so well uh, let's finish with a, with a final song God bless you guys